Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. On confirmed reports that Steve was parasailing, overshot the landing zone, but he'll be joining us momentarily. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. And you can even call us at 1-800-795-9565 and speak to Steve himself on any question involving sports. Glad to answer any and all questions that come in. Big news uh, last night in the world of baseball was that the Phillies got beat on the in the desert in Arizona by a couple of runs. Um, it was uh, an important game as the... Phillies are fighting for the wild card, but they're going to be on tonight again on the rubber match in the desert. Game time is 9.40. The pregame on WKOK AM 1070 starts at 9.05. Meanwhile, the hapless Pirates, and that is the word that everyone uses to describe them, lost another one last night at home to Milwaukee. In typical Pirate fashion, they gave a glimmer of hopes to their fans, but in the end, a bonehead play by their catcher on an interference in a rundown where they had the Milwaukee Brewer guy tagged out at the plate, but interference by the catcher cost them a run, and they end up losing. Um, who knows who they're playing tonight, and the question really is, how long will Clint Hurdle stay as the manager of the Pirates? Not sure. Um, in the world of sports, we got lots of things happening around the world. We have the World Cup of Soccer concluded for women. We have the World Cup of my favorite sport, cricket, concluded in England, with England winning over New Zealand. Coming up, the World Cup of Basketball in September. The U.S. team has been put together by... Um, Kerr and Popovich from the NBA as their coaches, and they're ready to go in about two weeks to Australia. Lots of um, gossip and discussion in Australia about the American team. And then the World Cup of Rugby, the 15-man version, starts in September 21st in Japan, of all places. The Japanese trying to find a team sport that's suitable. Uh, they have picked uh, rugby. But they're not doing all that well. But they're going to host the World Cup as a boost to the sport in the nation, much in the way that the U.S. years ago hosted the World Cup of Soccer, hoping to give that a boost. So lots going on in this quiet day of August. We have to ask Steve about um, Penn yeah. State and what they're doing in their practices. Have you joined us yeah. there, Steve? Yes, I'm here. Excellent. Uh, they'll, they'll go back to work today. They did not practice yesterday. Uh they didn't practice yesterday because they're still in class. Summer session does, summer session does not end until Friday, and so you do have to have a day off. Somebody's uh, got to study. Yeah, they, somebody's got to yeah, study for but, finals. But it's an NCAA requirement. Yeah, of course. Uh, then next week there'll be no classes. In fact, there's no classes for two weeks uh, until they start back up on the 26th. 
And is that when the fall semester at PSU yeah, kicks the, in? Yeah, that yeah, that's when it kicks in. It'll be the twenty sixth that Monday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you got some. You get you all have a couple guys going through finals this week, or have final projects due this week, or if they have internships, uh, getting their final hours in this week. I know, for example, Cam Sullivan Brown. I was talking with him, and he he does have to come back into Channel Three, I think later this week, uh, to make sure he's got the the hours required. And I'll tell you, he and Antonio Shelton both interned with quote us all summer, both the both six week sessions. They yeah. they worked they worked really hard, and I will say this. They really helped our perspective on the unrivaled TV show that we do. Now, I only produce a segment, so I, I, I produce a segment that's not part of the football part of it. Mm-hmm. It's on the football show, but it's of other things. And he gave our, those two gave our people a perspective from the player's point of view about what's important to them in the show. You know, so they had them go through shows and say, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? You know, and, they're going to give. Uh, they'll be a, I think, a better product because of the input that they had. They those are two, yeah. those those two worked very hard for us this summer. Very hard. They are what would be called in the business, I think, in, in that capacity, technical advisors. Yeah, uh, technical advisors. They also did a lot of logging of footage. <laughs> they they uh, they were part of the. When they went out to do the green screen shoots that you see up on the scoreboard, they had to do their part. But then they flipped over and, and were working on the on the other side of it too, with cameras and mm-hmm. and so forth. So look, they worked very very hard. That's why I always laugh. Oh yeah, they go to these things and you know and and some people don't do anything. Well, I can tell you right now, those guys worked. Well, it's potential careers post football and post graduation. Sure. And they both uh, what, did well. They what did is well. the major called at Penn State? You know, generally sometimes it's called mass communications. Sometimes it's called broadcasting. What is it titled at Penn State? Well, it's in the College of Communications. Okay. So it's in the College of Communications. There are various degrees that you can get. And I know in the Curley School of Sports Journalism, you can take classes in sports broadcasting which is obviously what I teach sports journalism sports information mm-hmm. okay, the publicity part of it so they have that broken down into, into different areas and not only that but something I think is invaluable is they produce their own television show entitled Center County Report when wow. you can get when you can get personal hands on experience in this business, that's the only way you're going to improve. I mean, to sit there and say, oh, there's no textbook in your class. There better not be a textbook. You can't do broadcasting through a textbook. You've got to be able to do it by practical experience. That's why I tell students when they get there, join Center County Report. You have to do that. All my projects are practical application projects, and I told them, join Com Radio, join the student radio station. That's the only way you're going to get better. I said, and use it, and use it, and use it, and use it, and make yourself better. You know, Steve, uh, funny you should say that. There is no textbook, and where you as a professor in, in communications would say, now go to Chapter 3, and I want you to read the 
10 pages and do the questions at the end of the chapter. It doesn't work that way in broadcasting. No. No. You either you you have to be able to go out and just do it. I mean, you hear people on it. You hear Mark Lawrence on the air and the great job he does. Sean is brilliant. Oh. I mean, John, Sean is uh, a broadcaster's broadcaster. He, he is really good. knows the field. Uh, Kevin, uh, you know, I, on you know, occasion, we make, we make fun of the suit all the time. We make fun of the suit all the time. But, you know, in reality, Kevin does a great job. Uh, he's really good at what he does. Matty Catrillo's really good at what he does. So, I mean, we've got a lot of people like that in the building, you know, uh, that are really, really good at what they do because they've developed a style over time. Sure. Uh, they've developed something that's appealing to the listener over time. Well, you know, one of the things uh, you and I talked about after yesterday's show was about that third guy on your broadcast team, Derek Williams. Yeah. Good guy. Brings his own perspective to uh, the Penn State broadcast uh, game day, both on the pregame, during the game. He does a great job, but he's himself. He does, you know, he... Um, doesn't need to read a book to talk about what he talks about throughout the game. Pointers and uh, you know key points of the game, critical moments, etc. Good well, you addition. Know des- you know who deserves a lot of credit for that though is Jack. Jack Ham does a not a good job, but a great job of looking over at Derek and saying, "Derek, we're going to talk about the punt return game here." So on a punt return, how does one develop judgment? as to whether to take it back or not. And, and so Derek Derek talks about, look, I'm looking... So, I mean, this is Jack. Now, yeah. he's leading him in to get him into an area of expertise. And that's what Derek talks about. When the ball is kicked, do the gunners get a free release off the line of scrimmage, or are they hit? If they're hit, now I'm inclined to say I'm going to catch it and go. If they get a free release off the line of scrimmage, that's where I'm more inclined to fair catch it. Now, that's the kind of insight that a fan sits back and goes, wow, I learned something today. Well, you know. Uh, and Jack's the one, and Jack does this with Derek all the time, Bob, on the pregame show. Jack's really good with that. Well, the funny thing is, if there's anyone who knows about how to return a punt successfully, it would be Derek Williams, one of the best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had to be one of the best in the country back, what, 2006, 2007 season? 7, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, he did, did okay, so he would know. But it's funny that you would say that it would be Jack who would, uh, the legendary linebacker on the defensive side of the ball, sort of pushing Derek. Well, it's it's amusing. But he, but, but he le- he, he leads and asks those questions. Sure, where where he taps into Derek's expertise. You know, I'll ask him about route running sometimes because yeah. again, he's run routes. Yes, he he's has. done it. He's done it at the highest level. But you have to be able to take that spot, and you have to make sure that you're utilizing it in such a way where you're drawing out uh, that individual's expertise. And Derek has a certain expertise that. You know that certainly is beyond what either one of us have. Now it comes to playing. Yeah. I mean, they're both way beyond anything I could possibly. <laughs> you know, Steve. The one thing I will say, um, I I join you on the radio periodically, but back in my college days, I was a broadcasting minor, and I uh, broadcast uh, football games for three seasons uh, back at Little Westminster College when we were playing in the Division Three National Championships, etc. And it served me well in my career as a lawyer. 
and I've recommended oh. to students who want to go to law school and want to become lawyers, go work at the campus radio station. It teaches you to think on your feet. It, think, it teaches you how to react to questions that come out of left field, literally. It, it teaches you how to edit things, etc. Broadcasting, what you do and what the two students from Penn State have done all this summer, is invaluable no matter what career you ultimately end up going into. Oh, I think uh, I, the ability to think on your feet, the ability to... Uh, like, you got to couple together thoughts to do stuff like this. You have to mm-hmm. string them together. And you, ha- and you have to be prepared. If you're prepared, you can string together any thought whatsoever. People that got up there and stumble and mumble and bumble, you know, I just oh. sit back and go, what are you doing? Nothing more painful hey, than that. You weren't ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and that's... That's the issue. You're so not the, ready to go. Now, the two players that intern, where do they fit in on the football team? Let's, we talked about their broadcasting. Where are they on football? Shelton right now would be a first-team defensive tackle, and he's earned it. He's good. Uh, yeah, he's he's earned it. And that's the part where I give him a lot of credit because it took him, I think, a while to earn that that. That spot where you're, I was looking at him for a period of time, wondering, okay, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be okay, but can he be a difference maker? So, well, well now I think he's at a point now. I think now he has a chance to be a difference maker when he's out there. And the good part about it with his broadcasting internship this entire summer, he's really going to be great on the post game interviews with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, what they did was off camera. Yeah, I understand. Okay, they they did off camera stuff. Uh, but you know, and Cam Sullivan Brown right now has got himself in the thick of the wide receiver thing. That's a uh, big. We, that's a big jungle in there with all the quality receivers that are going to be in the receivers room. You know, during the sea or in the preseason. Well, this is where this is where you, where I look at it. That's why when I always talk about uh, this, I talk about in multiples. In other words, I'm not looking at 22. I'm looking at 44. Well, at wide receiver, that means you need six. And having a seven doesn't hurt you. Well, if you can work yourself as to being one of the six or seven guys, you're going to get playing time out there. Because there are going to be times they want to make sure that people have legs for the fourth quarter to make some plays as well. And I think that's an important element for this. That's why you do need six or seven. So if you put yourself in the thick of this, where you're one of those guys... Then guess what? Then now you've earned yourself some playing time, and now you've opened the door to them making some plays, and he's done that. Isn't it that old truism in football and in all sports? Basically, it really doesn't matter who starts the game; it's who finishes, and that's why you need so many. Like say you said, seven wide receivers who all should be getting lots of playing time. Well, sometimes though, what somebody who may not be one of the finishers, what they end up doing is that they open the door to fresh legs for the finishers. Sure. So there's a domino effect that comes into play with that that is really important. Do you open up the door for the finishers to finish because they are fresh to do it, as opposed to, I've been running up here 75 plays during the course of the game, I've been sprinting downfield on long plays, that, right, whatever, and, you know, and I'm out of gas. Now you swing it around to the other way, and when you swing it around to fresh legs because you're rotating seven different guys in there, 
Now it opens the door, I think, to better performance in the fourth quarter. That's where games right. are won and lost. Yeah. Uh, we will take a break. You can win a game in the third quarter. You can win a game in the second quarter, too. True. Uh, we, we will take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. It's time to stop smoking once and for all by attending the next. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, key up. Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Bob Buner alongside today. Glad to be with you. Looking forward to yeah. hearing what Matt has to say from the city of brotherly love. Yeah, in a moment. Yeah. Um, Kyle, you were telling me that uh, there was a flimsy excuse why you're in today? <laughs> yeah, our regular uh, producer, not Sean, but the film producer this week, Zach, um, he kind of called last minute and he's like, I don't think I can make it today. We're like, okay, we hope everything's okay. He's like, yeah, my wife is in labor, so, so he's having a baby, so that's great. Yeah. Where no, are she's? His... No, 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 no. Yeah. She's having the baby. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, look, yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got a show to do. Exactly. Or the guy's priorities, Matt. Send a message. <laughs> Text him. I mean, I hope that the new director of finance and uh, engineering and Goomba, whatever, is listening to this. Yeah. And I think I think severe action should be taken. <laughs> yeah, at least at least see if she could hang on till Saturday. I mean, there's no show Saturday. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> they, just don't go over until 5.30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not too much. Exactly. Like, hey, she'll be there. We, all we want is a healthy, a healthy, beautiful baby. That's all we want here. Absolutely. And, so, congratulations. Uh, yeah. uh, we're thrilled. We can't wait for the good news. So, Absolutely. Um, it'd be- and, th- and thanks for throwing the heavy innings over there because you've already worked this morning. Yeah, no problem. Piece of cake. But uh, the, yeah, the funny thing—the funny thing about that was—is that he was almost nervous. I think he's like, "Yeah, I really don't think I can make it in. Is that okay?" We're like, "Well, yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's fine." So, yeah. Uh, did, did he want us to vote? <laughs> <laughs> Steve and Kyle, when my wife went into labor with our second child, um. I got a call. She's in labor. Would I come to the hospital? I was in court, and doing. What'd you do? um, I continued on finishing a case, and the judge said, "Is there something bothering you?" And he was kind of angry, looking at me like. I said, "Well, my wife's in labor," and he um, basically said, "You need to be at the hospital. What is wrong with you? If I didn't think you needed to be there, I was going to hold you in contempt of court for not being there." (laughs) Oh, jeez. So yeah, yeah, when my son Dan was born, I was doing play-by-play of a Lady Lion basketball game, and it was it got to halftime, and uh, I got a note because uh, this is 1986, so there was not a text. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kathy's in labor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was working with a guy named Mike Mackey. No, I was working with Paul Alexander at the time. I looked over at Paul. I said. Take her home, big man. <laughs> I said, I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's bring in Matt Leon from Philadelphia. Matt, welcome back. Great to have you with us, my friend. Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, the 
the Eagles did have their what their open practice the other day. They were able to bring fans in and so forth mm-hmm. to, to watch them practice. I had a couple of friends go down, and of course security escorted them away. But I mean that was you know, but that's a personal thing. Uh, but uh, what does one learn from that, other than the public relations part of it? I don't think much. I think it's it's strictly just a chance for the fans to kind of connect and and to kind of see the team in person. I mean, you know, training camp used to be a rite of passage. It wasn't that long ago when you know people would would take family vacation, go up to Lehigh, and uh, and watch a week. And then when they started moving it back here, I think it started with five open practices, and it's slowly been whittled away to where this was it this past Sunday. Uh, so I think it's more just a, a chance for the fans to see the team in person and get excited. I don't think you learn anything uh, from those workouts because I, I think those workouts are probably uh, purposely uh, made as vanilla as possible. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think with, with doing away of two-a-days, I think that's also done away with the idea of more fan interaction. Vic Fangio, the Denver Broncos, their head coach, he says, look, open it up. He said, let more fans in because he, he thinks that, and his point is, he said, look, you're trying to like make still some connection with the fan. You can't keep cutting them off. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think, I think there's only like one team that doesn't open practice at all, and then it's the Eagles with one. They're like one of the lowest, and I get the logistics of you know, opening up the link and stuff like that. I I just think there has to be a way. I can't believe there's not enough money rolling around in the NFL that they can't uh, find a way to get get fans more access. Uh, you know, to to training camp because you know I I think that is big. It is a place where you kind of connect and stuff like that. And it's really where I think this generation of fans they became so passionate because they would go to Lehigh and you would shake hands and get autographs as guys were coming out and I think uh, you lose that I mean is the league going to you know fall off a cliff popularity of course not but I think stuff like this when you kind of close it off and you corporatize it in other levels it, you're you might see a slow winnowing away uh, along the edges and eventually that can that can turn into a problem so I agree I I just like I said, I get the logistic argument, but yeah. I just can't imagine there's not a way to make this better. All right. Look, everybody, except for the Ravens, everybody's running the same offense anyway. No offense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, everybody's running the same stuff. All right. Uh, let's get to Miles Sanders. What kind of start is he off to, by all accounts, in the Eagles camp to this point? I think he keeps impressing more and more. You talk about that open practice. He had some jump cuts in some live work that really just kind of, you know, made you go, wow. Um, I think he's going to be a big piece. I think uh, I think Doug Peterson mentioned today at the podium their last practice, their last full workout before the uh, exhibition opener on Thursday that he wanted to see Miles Sanders hold on to the football. I think that's his biggest concern right now. Uh, you know, make sure he doesn't fumble. A lot of times young players will struggle maybe a little bit putting the ball on the ground but uh, he's been impressive and uh, I'm very interested to see how the Eagles utilize him. Uh, they went out and they got Jordan Howard uh, to, to be the number one but I think uh, it's not crazy to think they might have a 1A and 1B uh, even at the start of the season. 
And the fumbling part is is a key part. There were a couple times last season where everyone knows at a moment he did have a fumble, and that's going to be the issue once Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin gets to the league too, Matt. Taylor can – the number of yards after contact so impressive, but Taylor's a fumbler, and in this league – is it safe to say in the NFL? I mean, it's, it, turnovers aren't tolerated anywhere, but in this league, they do everything they can to absolutely stay away from it to the point where the, some teams are very conservative with what they do. Oh, absolutely. And you've seen more than one young running back, you know, maybe put a ball on the floor twice in a quarter, and that's the last you see of them that day. So uh, it's important. Um, I haven't been out at camp, so I can't tell you if Sanders has had any issues during camp uh, right. putting the ball on the ground like, you know, but uh, it's something they're keeping an eye on. And I think the fact that that's kind of maybe Doug Peterson's top-line worry probably shows you how impressive he's been running the football and picking up the offense uh, because uh, I, I think they have high hopes for him, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's got a big role right away. Matt, what were some of the other uh, items that he brought up when he had a chance to talk about his team? Uh, well, they're, they he's still at least publicly isn't saying how much uh, the starters are going to play on Thursday. I think a lot of people expected maybe kind of a rough outline of whether Carson Wentz would play and if so how much and uh, how much the other number ones and he's kind of playing it coy. I can't imagine he doesn't have a good idea but uh, they're they're still looking at it. Um, You know but other than that it's been a it's been a pretty quiet camp and I tell everybody with like spring training and training camp no news is good news. If you're getting the same generic uh, sound bites out of uh, camp, I, I think that's a very good thing because that means no catastrophic injuries and that means no holdouts. It means no nonsense. Uh, and so far, it's been a, a very quiet camp, I think, for an Eagles team that is very determined and incredibly talented. I think they've got one of the top rosters in the NFL, so Doug Peterson has to feel pretty good about where they sit right now. Yeah, you, you absolutely have to see that. Is there uh, a position that in a preseason game or let's take a couple of preseason games that gives you that will give you a feel as to how it's going to play out one way or the other is there any position in particular you want to look at i think the defensive secondary i think rodney mcleod is working his way back from an injury obviously you've got malcolm jenkins and you know one of the best in the game and they've got other cornerbacks you know kids like rasul douglas and you know, Ronald Darby's working his way back from uh, from injury, and uh, Vontae Maddox. They've got pieces in the secondary. I think you want to see how that emerges uh, once the season starts, um, and that's that's really where I'm looking. Uh, I'm not even. I want to say so much concern because I, I feel like they've got talent there. It's just a matter of how it manifests itself and how the roles break down. So I think that that's something to watch here in the spring or in the training camp, rather. And I want to get to the uh, Phillies for a moment. They are now tied with Washington in the wild card race. They won at Arizona last night, seven to three. Seven good innings from Vince Vince Velasquez and Scott Kingery homered. Did the acquisition of Dickerson open the door for them to take Franco and send him to Lehigh Valley because now Kingery can go back to the infield? I think that was part of it. I get the feeling this was kind of brewing. Uh, Franco is the latest on a long list of guys in this organization who frankly haven't gotten any better. Uh, you know, Michael Franco has the same holes and 
that in his game now that he had in you know May of 2016. Uh, and I think they wanted to get Kingery more at bats. They want to keep Adam Hazley, the uh, first round pick from a couple of years ago, the rookie outfielder in the lineup. And getting Dickerson, although I don't think they're ready to commit to playing him every day, I would imagine that's going to eventually happen. And at that point, you needed a, you know, somebody's going to be the odd man now. I think they aren't, they weren't comfortable with the idea of Franco playing once a week. I don't think they thought he would be productive if he wasn't right. in the lineup. Uh, you know, he wasn't the type of guy who could, uh, get your, your one start and, you know, maybe play half the game other than that and still, at, and play at a consistent level. So I think they, thought this was the best move. Um, I think the, the Franco problem is, in my opinion, part of a bigger problem of this offense. I think that's the, the one thing I can't figure out for the life of me as I watch this team is why they don't score more runs and why they right. don't hit more. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know the, the, the loss of McCutcheon was big, don't get me wrong, but I find it hard to believe that you know losing one player who had been with you for two months uh, – can have the catastrophic shock waves in a lineup that his. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. It absolutely did. But when you look at the talent they've got, and a Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Shaytu Riomuto, Gene Segura, and even you know Cesar Hernandez is a solid major league player, and Scott Kingery yes, has has hit now like people expected him to hit last year. So my point is, if this offense was performing like I think it should, and most people think it can. Then all of a sudden, Michael Franco can hit 230, but hit the ball out of the ballpark once a week, play good defense, batting eighth, and you can live with him. I think with the rest of the lineup so much fits and starts and inconsistent, all of a sudden his work gets magnified more, and there's more pressure to, to make a move there. So uh, I was kind of surprised to see it. I kind of get it. Uh, you know, and we could probably deconstruct this as one of my big concerns about the organization is why young guys don't get any better with this team. You know, you look at Franco, you look at Nick Williams, Aaron Altair, who they let go earlier, uh, and then you look at a couple guys that they traded in the offseason, J.P. Crawford and Jorge Alfaro. I'm not saying either is a star, but both players have taken nice steps forward where here they kind of seem to make the same mistakes and perform at the same level. And then you look at the pitchers, guys like Nick Pavetta, you know, I know Velasquez pitched well last night, but it's the first time this year he pitched seven innings, and it's August. I mean, I know he hasn't been in the rotation all year, but that's absurd. So, you know, Nick Pavetta, Zach Eflin, Vince Velasquez, you know, these guys all do the same things they did two, three years ago. And it's concerning to me on a big-picture level why players don't ascend here, why they don't seem to get better. And uh, in some cases, they've gone other places, and they've taken the steps forward that you'd want young players to take. I don't have an answer to that, but I, to me, it's a, it's a significant cause for concern. Which makes me one final question, and uh, I'll let you go, Matt, and that deals with uh, Gabe Kapler. Are the next, you know, seven weeks really important for his future with the uh, organization, or is he rock solid with the organization and? Let's just see how it plays out. I don't think he's rock solid, but I would be stunned if a move's made. I'm not a huge – I think Kapler, in my opinion, is a middle-of-the-road manager. Yeah. Um, we can make arguments like my point of why don't guys get better, what role does he play in that. Um, yeah. But I don't I, – I think Kapler's had an all-right season. I thought early in the year when – 
things were going well, I applauded him because he kind of stayed out of the way. He put his sure. lineup out there. He knew he had talent. And he let it roll. He didn't get too cute, didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Now, circumstances have caused him to, to have to try to create some things out of thin air. But uh, I think he is really tied to GM Matt Klintak, uh because he was kind of an out-of-the-box hire. And I think, I, I think they'd really have to have a catastrophic last two weeks for uh, – for changes to be, or last two months rather, for changes to be made. I think, uh, I frankly think they're going to be in this race till the end, whether they like it or not, because I don't think there's anybody in the National League good enough to kind of push, uh, push out and really take control of it. So, you know, if they if they win 85, 87 games and you know get the wild card or miss it by a game, is that worth making a managerial change? I don't think so, but uh, I don't think he's rocked solid, but I think it would take a, a, a catastrophe for them to make a move. And the uh, Matt Leon podcast uh, next one is? Tomorrow it'll be released. We talk with Mike Costanzo, former Archbishop oh. Carroll baseball star who was the Phillies top draft pick in 2005. Yeah. Uh, was traded to the Astros organization in a deal that brought Brad Lidge to the Phillies. And uh, we kind of talk about his pro career and finally getting to the big leagues and what was like getting drafted by your hometown team and then traded. It's interesting. It's fun. And you can find it, find one-on-one with Matt Leon wherever you find your podcast. Awesome. Hey, look forward to it very much. Matt, thanks a lot for your time. It's always great talking with you. Thank you. Take care. Matt Leon from Philadelphia, back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. Penn State and Ticketmaster are going to expand the digital ticketing technology to major athletic facilities with with an extended official partnership. Phone technology is now going to become critical when it comes to tickets. You know, Steve, uh, this is the complaint department. Um matter for me. I was hoping to buy some Penn State tickets this year, but I have a dumb phone. And apparently the only way one can get Penn State yeah. tickets is you got to have a smartphone. Yeah. And, and you that's... can't get the old, you know, get an email and print it out and show up uh, at the stadium and they scan your uh, printed email ticket. I got to bring the smartphone. So I'm yeah. in a quandary. Do I get a smartphone or what do I do? 
Well, again, this is the quandary the suit was in. Yes. He doesn't like anything smarter than him. Well, that's... So, uh, yeah. so, his, his, so his office is, is bare? Yeah, there's nothing okay, there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, look, I realize that there you are like Matt Millen. <laughs> yeah. and, believe, and, and believe it or not, at one point, like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, flip phones. That's a very nice comparison. Thank you. It's, it's like, <laughs> Kyle, I'm here to serve, you know, to make people feel better. I feel better uh, already. Just me and Matt. Uh, so, is, is Matty Ice there? No, no, Matty Millen. <laughs> oh, Matt Millen, yeah. The, um, so, that does bring into play a problem. Now, if you get a season ticket, I believe you're going to get a card. Ah. A, a season ticket card, I believe. Uh, if you want to get... Um, you can get a, obviously the Ticketmaster app. You can download uh, the mobile wallet. Yeah. Now, printed home PDF tickets are no longer going to be accepted at Penn State home games. I know. Now, this is going to reduce ticket fraud. It will do that. So yeah, that's all I was that, getting in, and that is. <laughs> I really wasn't going to get to that part, Bob. I really was going to keep hey, it under wraps. I got under, I got out on bail to make the game last season, <laughs> and we're happy you did. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's what they're going to do. Wow. Hey, right. uh, next half hour, I want to ask you about Clint Hurdle. You ask about uh, Matt Leon about the Pirates or the Phillies skipper. What about the Pirates skipper? You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us.